0: Uh, We are going to be diving into this new series, uh, talking about His will, of what His will is and His will to be done, and uh, today's lesson is as the Lord commanded, and we're going to be diving into Exodus 40, as you can see, and it's going to be a longer reading, Uh, but what is happening, and sort of to give you a little bit of a build-up of what's going to be happening is Exodus 33 uh, is talking about... Uh, God has given instruction to build the tabernacle. So, so Moses is using it to take this tent. And so what's happening is Moses will go out uh, of the tent and take it and, uh, and to be with God. And then a pillar of the cloud would come on the tent and God's presence would be there at the entrance. And so during this time, the Lord would speak. Uh, face-to-face with Moses and have this time with him. So that is going to be leading into our reading of Exodus 40. So uh, I've asked Stephen to come up, and he's going to read Exodus 40 um, uh, to us. And it will be up on the screen, but as you read it, I want you to see some of the repeated things, some of the things that stick out as as you dive into it. Because I think God, uh, or I think through scripture, is, uh, is showing us something very clear, and we're going to discuss that today. So, go
1: ahead, Stephen. Exodus 40. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, on the first day of the month, you shall erect the tabernacle on the tent of meeting, and you shall put it on the, in the ark of the testimony, and you shall... Screen the ark with the veil and you shall bring in the table and arrange it and shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps and you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and the altar. Mm, I'm sorry. And place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is in it, and consecrate it, and all its furniture, so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy and you shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments and you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve as priest you shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anoint their father, and they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, The tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases, set up its frames, and put up its poles, and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle, and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark, and put the poles on the ark, and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle And he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the screen of the gate of the court, so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting. Because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. Throughout all their journeys.
0: Thank you so much, Stephen.
1: You're
0: um, if you noticed, there were things repeated quite a bit. If you if you partook, so many times we look at scripture and uh, sometimes and people just start reading through them like oh they're just they're just doing genealogy they're just building stuff. But there, there's something that that's really unique here is that there is instruction being told. Okay, God is very specific on it, and the first point of that is, "You shall." You shall. There is work to be done. "You shall" is said 13 times in the beginning of Exodus 40. So many times when we look at Scripture, all of it, all of it is, is from God. It's pure. Um, but I think we also have to take notice when they repeat things. Like, there's something trying to be said here. You shall. It's the beginning of Exodus 40. It's the time that's come for the tabernacle to be built. People are, it's, it's ready. There's anticipation. But how's that built? Uh, they, they, they build it from the holies of holies to the holy place. And uh, one interesting fact that I, I did like was uh, that... They built it in such a way that many people believed uh, that uh, there are many pagan religions that uh, worship the sun god. So the way that they did that uh, was that the high priest worshiping God would have his back to the rising sun. So they would worship it in such a way that their back and any priest or anybody that would come in to the courtyard had their backs turned to the sun as they came to sacrifice to the true God. Most believe that the tabernacle, which is in verse 17 that states now in the first month, is that it took a year for this tabernacle to be built. And it was, uh, was erected, uh, as in verse 17 states, now in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month, the tabernacle, uh, tabernacle was erected and was completed almost one year after the exodus of Egypt. And so there is a time, there is a time that we have to listen to what God's saying, that you shall do it. The reason why I had that picture up earlier that I told you to remember about where there was a, a little bit, so there's a two hour uh, distance or two hour time gap. So if it's 7.45 in the morning, uh, like here or like our here, it's, you know, 9.45, you know, no, actually it's the opposite. It's 9.45 here, 7.45 there. So it's 9.45 there. So we got to sleep in a little bit. Not so good coming back. Uh, so 9.45, so we got to sleep in. So we would get up, and we would get our stuff around, and we would go down there. Um, but in the morning, that area was where they would get all the horses ready. So by 6, 7 o'clock their time, all the wranglers are out there brushing the horses, brushing to put the saddles on. And they have then to put the bid on and then put everything done in order for us to go riding. So many times we jump right to like, we have to be here. There are times that there is stuff that has to be done to be built up to where you're going. They just don't hand out doctorate degrees. Oh, I wanna, I wanna be a doctor. Okay. It's great. There, there are steps you have to take. And there's stuff that you have to do. And God is laying this out. It's you shall. These are the steps that you have to do to be in the presence of me. To be, to be there, to be able to be, to be that. And so these are the steps. I think so many times in our lives, we want to skip steps. We want to jump steps. It's why right now I find it really interesting that the, the amount of time, especially in our younger generation, is time gap of keeping people's attention is very, very low because of situations like TikTok, YouTube. The number of videos, they say, uh, dramatically increases once you pass two minutes long. So if a YouTube video is like within uh, two minutes or under, the amount that it has to uh, watch ability by the same artist as someone that's two minutes or la- later jumps up because our intention span, we want it now. We want that instant gratification now. We want this now where there's times where that's not the way God works. That's the way the world works. The world wants it now. How many, ta- how many times when you want ice cream, you want it now, right? Like we can all agree Unless you have a dairy allergy, well, I'll pray for you. Like, you want something, you want it now. Because, like, I can get it. I can do it. But we don't do, we we want that. And we want God, and this is what problem, we want God to work that way. We don't want to work in God's timing. We want God to work in our timing. We want God to be, okay, if this is the way it's supposed to be, let's move it to ours. It's not you shall. It's like I shall, or like... Someone else do it, because I want to be there. And that's not the way God's working. It's very specific, and it's very, and God is communicating. That's one thing that we got to do. God is communicating with Moses on what to do. And there's many of times that God communicates with us what to do. It's the issue of do we listen, which leads to point number two is as the Lord commanded. I loved Stephen, because we talked right beforehand, because I asked him to, to read it. And he's like, I read this a few times. Stuff repeats a lot. And As the Lord commanded, like, I don't know if you're going to preach this on this or not, but you should at least bring it up or something like that. And I was like, yeah, as the Lord commanded, you can see it multiple times that this is something that, there is a significance between the the obedience of Moses and Israel uh, and him following these commands. And it brings on the remarkable display of God's glory. And one thing, though, I want you to to make sure you don't understand, and uh, I I like reading this in in Guzik, is that we shouldn't think that Moses or Israel earned the display of glory because of their obedience, yet their obedience welcomed it. And that's saying, uh, what, it's basically what a great thing to live on. We don't earn our rescue, and God doesn't love us more if we uh, obey or our, our we mess up. Yet, undeniably, when we walk with God in light and truth, there is blessing. Because it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Or he shall direct your paths. Moses did all that God corrected or directed him to do, but he what he also did is he did it in the order God wanted it to be done. So many times when God directs us, we want to be like skip to the end. We want to jump to it. And here's the main question: some of you have been like, well, how God, how does God direct us? How does God direct us today? What's, what's so unique is, and this is a hard thing, because some people want to view that as a help book. And there is a, there, there, it's truth, so it's going to help you. But so many times people want to pick out scriptures that, like, make my point fit me. And that's not how it always works. I'll tell you a lot, it's not how it works. It is the whole story. It's the whole thing that leads to Christ but it's giving you the truth and the pure truth of what it's speaking about. And the Holy Spirit is guiding you too. I think so many times we, gotta be, we can't uh, go off of like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this way. But have you ever felt the Holy Spirit tell you something that you know you're supposed to do? Like you know it. And because what usually it is for me is usually it goes against what I want to do the flesh wants to do something, God's like, no. And then you have an opportunity to be obedient or not as the Lord commanded. Are you doing as the Lord commanded? So many of us want to be, you know like, and I, I'll tell you, uh, I have a relationship that like I want to uh, heal, strain. There's been lies and stuff said but, uh, uh, from the other person, and I want that to be healed. But part of me, like, the flesh side's like, I'm good. I don't want to deal with it. I can move on. But am I following what God wants or am I doing what I want? Because what I want is different than what the Holy Spirit's pushing and what the Scripture's pushing. And I want to follow that, not what I want. What I love too is uh, the, Ma- uh, the Matthew Henry commentary talks about even as great of a man as Moses is. When we put Moses on the Mount Rushmore of biblical people, yeah, most people would put him, David, Abraham, you know, he would be on the list. But even him, even him, he looked at it at all the heroes, he followed God's instructions and he didn't add to it or he didn't diminish it. He was obedient to it. So many times these men were great because now of what they did. They just were obedient to what they were called to do. I think that sometimes where us as Christians, we want, to, we want to do all this stuff, but we aren't being obedient in what God's called us to do and is calling us to do now. So the Bible is where we get our instructions. And it's not made up of your heads and feelings. Culture right now is telling you, do what you want to do. You be you. You know, I talked about that a little bit downstairs. Like you, you do you. No, you're supposed to follow his instructions. Even when you don't understand. Even when life is hard. Even when things are going well. I find it really interesting. Sometimes when things start going well, I was just told of a story yesterday, uh, or actually two days ago, of this guy had a major back surgery, and um, he's not a very kind guy, but all of a sudden, he realized it was very dangerous, and all of a sudden, he got him into scripture, and uh, because he was nervous, like, what happens if I die, and all this kind of stuff, and he actually got through it, and healthy, and uh, and uh, my friend said, you saw growth, but two weeks after the surgery and stuff was going well he went away from it because ah i i get to live a little bit longer things are good and like things are back at it and i think sometimes we always think we go to god when things are bad but do we go to god when things are good and like that's not the way we're supposed to live that's not how it works but as we dig into this, as we continue to talk about as the, the Lord commanded, because Moses followed it, the cloud then comes upon the tent. Well, he, the, he, he covered the tent of congregation, and then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, there's different, pe- uh, there's different uh, things that people talk about, like what's going on. The first is that God is showing his approval like God is now uh, uh, showing up, but also people believe that this is the same cloud that has led them out of Egypt and led them to where they are, and they are now settled. And many consider that this is the fulfillment of Exodus twenty nine forty five, of the statement says that God says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God that God is now living among his pre- uh, the people and his presence is with them. So because of this, because Moses followed the instructions and checked on them, because he did this, as the uh, he, he was told, you shall. And as he did this, now God gets to dwell among them. And this, uh, in studying this, the he- Hebrew word uh, translated abode or settled is that shu- shukuna, uh, shukuni. or sorry, shukuna is the English word that the abiding presence of God, the abiding presence of God, that God was pleased and God was with them. How awesome would it be to be that considered that in your life? God is is among you. God is with you. Like, if we're that church, if we're that church, it's like, you can say a lot of things, but God is with them. You can say a lot of things. It's God with you. It's God abiding in you. It's the abiding presence of God with you. The glory filled the tabernacle so much. And it, the holy, that Matthew Arnold talks about that God is light. There's a consuming fire. The, what, the clouds there, that God's glory filled the space uh, so much that Moses couldn't enter it. And this isn't the only time. Um, that uh, in First Kings eight ten uh, in Solomon that God filled the temple that they that they could stay out. There's still a separation. That God's glory and light and, and what He is is too much. Moses, one of the greatest of all times, couldn't even stand before Him at that time. The reason why I bring that up is that without glory. It was just a nice tent. It was a nice tabernacle. And just like if this church isn't filled with His glory, it's just a nice building. It's just a nice building. If your house is not allowing or obeying God, like it's just a house, it's just, a, it's just brick and mortar. It, it's to be filled with His glory. It's to be filled so much, and we are allowed that because of what Jesus has done. What Jesus' death and resurrection has has done is allowed the Holy Spirit to be through us, and we are to be able to be light into the world. And we now are able to go out and be His glory, but not through what we do, but through Him. And the reason why that is, do you listen when He said, you shall do this? Are you obedient as the Lord commanded? you say, as the Lord commands, that's the way I'm going to live my life? Or do we try to live the dual lives of, hey, I want to do enough to get into heaven, but I'm going to do enough to also, you know, live my life? If you haven't noticed in Scripture, and you can try to pass it up, God ain't really cool with the lukewarm thing. He isn't cool with the middle ground thing. And that's, the, that's what He's calling us to do. And throughout history, you look at it, Moses stands in between this gap a lot. And how much greater is done by Jesus standing into this gap? It says in Hebrews 9, 24, it'd be a great one to write down. uh, It says, for Christ has entered not into holy places made of hands. Really cool. For Christ has entered not into holy places made of hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. How cool is that? Because Jesus is now fulfilling the gap, not just as Moses or this, it's it's he lived among us. John even talks about in John 1 14, he said that Jesus lived among us. And many people believe that lived among us is like that of the, the word pitching a tent. That Jesus pitched a tent to live among us, which, if you're looking back at Exodus, makes sense. Like that the, the time of communicating with us. Why would John say so that Jesus came to, to humanity to pitch a tent? Except that back in Exodus, that this is the imagery of Jesus. And this is what John 1:14 says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, that Christ is now with us. That he's now with us. And we have to rest in that. But there's also, if you know Jewish culture, there is also a time when the glory from the tabernacle was gone. That the glory left. And the reason why is... Uh, The word that they use is in 1 Samuel 4, 21 through 22 is Ichabod, is the glory is gone. The reason why I I deal with that is because I don't want the glory to be gone from us. I don't want it to be gone from this nation. I don't want this to be gone. I do not want God to take his hand away. Because I like how Wiersbe states, but God does dwell in, in his people and it's our responsibility to glorify god individually and collectively with a what a tragedy it would be if the glory departed and we had to write ichabod on our church buildings how much better would it be if like moses we did everything according to the heavenly pattern so that god's glory would feel at home in our midst you shall as the lord commands i do want to wrap up with a, a story of though that in numbers 20 moses does miss the mark moses here he had all the people complaining and he was he was uh, told that uh to to uh, front the people the people were complaining again and he's uh, he says take the stick that is in front of the covenant box and then you and aaron assemble the whole community there in front of them all speak to the rock over there the water will gush out of it in this way you will bring water out of the rock for the people for them and their animals to drink it's numbers 20 verse 8. He's not saying, he does not specifically say you shall, but basically he might as well. said, this is what you're supposed to do. you know what? Moses at that point gets frustrated with the people. And from a humanly side, it sort of makes sense. How long have these people been grumbling? How long have they not been listening? How long have they been doing this? And Moses finally snaps. He gets angry with them. Wherein before he, he offered his life for them, now he's angry with them. And one thing that, one of the commentaries I talked to is that he put himself on the same level as God. In the areas like um, that he said that we, what, we have done this. And he made it so personal. He over magnified his own partnership with God. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses spoke as if he and God would do the job, as if they divided the work 50-50. As I said, like there's part that gets Moses, the human side, being like, I'm done. But this is why we have to obey God. On the one end, you have people that don't want to do what God asks, Then on the other stream, you feel like you have the, that there's other people that know best. And then put themselves above God. Because it can be frustrating. I know many of you, as we even talked about in Sunday school, some people are frustrated with the evils going on in the world today, of what's going on. There's things that I disagree with and things, and we want to take it on ourselves. We want to, we want to, if if only this would happen, everything would work out. You know, the only thing that's going to happen when things get perfect is when Jesus comes back. That's when things get perfect. Until then, we need to go to God. God needs to be the one that we go to. And we need to follow him when he says, you shall do this. You shall do that. But many of us struggle with that. It's a struggle, because your flesh wants to take over. It does. But we need to build against that, and we need to fight against that. You shall. And we need to be a a people that says, as the Lord commanded, I will follow. As the Lord commanded, I will do. But the book of Exodus 40 ends on a high note. With trust in God, with hope in God, not by what they have done, but who they are with. Yeah, they obeyed, but now they are. God is with them, and He gives them strength and confidence in their faith walk. I want you to know that right now, God is with you. God is with you if you believe and call on His name. Jesus has taken the sins that we deserve. Jesus died for us, the death that we deserve. In our lives, we must put our trust and hope in him. People say that we are to be judged by our fruit, which is so true. But in a sense, we have to be connected to God for God to produce the fruit. Too many people today want to produce their own fruit. The only way you can produce fruit is by being connected to God. And so this whole thing, this whole Exodus thing I wanted to, to get into is that we have to go to him. If Moses, one of, one of the guys, the, sta- the staples of the Bible is being obedient to him, being obedient to him. And then you know what happens? Because when the time he wasn't obedient, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land. There are consequences. There are consequences. Some of us think that's pretty harsh. To be honest, Moses had done so much good, right? He had obeyed, he had listened, he had done all these things, and then all of a sudden he does one thing, gets angry and hits the rock, and then all of a sudden he can't enter the promised land. How much greater sins have we done? How much greater wrath do we deserve? But our Savior, Jesus Christ, fills the gap. He takes care of that. That's why when I continue to do it, it's not by our actions, but it's by going to the source. It's going to follow His obedience, His path. So when you want to know His will, you need to go to the source. And that's through Scripture, and that's through prayer of the Holy Spirit which we will talk about next week as well. If the band would come up as they finish their last song, I want you guys to continue. As, As they sing, I want you to think of what has God been telling in your life that you haven't been obedient in? Some of you have not listened, but there's still time. Some of you right now are feeling like, hey, I'm supposed to do this. Some of you are in very desperate situations it might be money it might be bad relationship it might be uh, uh anger towards someone else it might be what are you viewing it through your eyes or are you going to god to it are you going to the source through it that's what we're called to do so many of us want to do it on ourselves and just say hey i you know i follow christ No, we need to go to him and let him direct our path. let's worship together
1: stands you're able.